0: Welcome to the podcast where heavy industrial industries meet the venture capital ecosystem, interviewing both thought leading investors and pioneering founders to better understand the opportunities and challenges that lie ahead for digital industrial innovation. Your host is Ty Finley, and this
1: is the Heavy Hitters Podcast. John Tuff joins us today from Chicago. John is managing partner at Energize Ventures, a fund dedicated to digitizing energy and industrial companies. He began his career in investment banking at UBS, and then while attending business school, he secured a job at Kleiner Perkins Green Growth Fund, which focused on digital energy during the famous wave of energy investment in 2010 and 2011. John then joined Choose Energy as a third employee, initially as director of business development, and then worked his way into the chief revenue officer role. The business was sold to Red Ventures, and he then moved back to Chicago and joined Energize Ventures as a partner. His notable investments in this ecosystem include Volta Charging, Nozomi Networks, Drone Deploy, Jupiter Intelligence, and Matroid. John, I feel like this has been a long time coming. Glad to have you on Heavy Hitters.
0: Uh, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ty. It's, it's, uh, we've exchanged so many notes outside of this medium, but it's glad to finally be on the podcast. Thanks for having me.
1: Awesome. I think we've got a fun chat here. So kicking us off, uh, you know, I know I gave a brief snapshot of your background, but walk us through the color commentary of the path that led you into this world of, as we call it, digital industrial venture capital investing.
0: Yeah. Um, and I just like I'll start I'll start from the beginning, which is um, when I was at Duke from my undergrad, I was I was in biology and chemistry. Uh, I took the MCAT and I, I tried to go. Or I, I thought about going to med school. Um and you in know, the summer of my junior year, I, I wanted to try something new, and it just happened to be the time when there was the big craze for bioethanols. And so banks were hungry for young kids, frankly, who would just work 100 hours a week writing up prospectus about the chemistry and biology behind ethanol plants. Um, and so I got dragged into this funny world of energy technology as a biology and chemistry major. Um, and so just you know talking about fortuitous, um, meandered my way around the investment banking world for a couple of years Did go to business school at the University of Chicago. And then, um, as you noted, uh, about three to four months into my my program, I thought to myself, um, I really like this idea of the early stage uh, venture investing group. And so I, I reached out to about 80 firms um, between the East and West Coast, um, you know, cold outbound and, and ultimately secured a job with the the Kleiner Perkins Green Growth Fund, um, where I, I got to witness firsthand that that first generation of um, hardware, primarily hardware investing into um, the energy transition, and it was um, there were a lot of firms who no longer exist, um, and there's there's some that have that have survived, but for the most part, um, it was a great lesson, um, and I learned that I wanted to go be an operator for for a number of years, and so after making an investment with the team at, at Kleiner into Choose Energy, uh, did join be the third um, for the firm at Choose Energy, and um, ultimately scaled it to, to a stage where we sold it in 2016 to Red Ventures. And um, my wife is from Chicago, and we wanted to move back. And so then moved back to Chicago and got connected with the, the Energize Ventures team um, and uh, you know joined as a partner, and I'm now a managing partner
1: great journey and one i'm glad the mcat path didn't work out selfishly so you're here with us and and two <laughs> we will definitely come back to this um you did see the energy 1.0 transition uh, as we can define it however we want so we will we will come back to what i think is a very unique vantage point Um uh, maybe but before that um I previously discussed on the podcast uh, w- with our shared friend grant allen over at schneider electric ventures uh, novel structures are forming by which independent VC funds team up with sector-specific corporate LPs to provide new and aligned investment products to founders that are focused on these industrial sectors. So in that vein, uh, set, set the stage for our discussion with our listeners and tell us a little bit more about Energized Venture structure, investment strategy, and how your fund likes to differentiate itself.
0: Sure. So uh, in when I moved back to Chicago and was evaluating options, um, when I first got wind of what is now energized ventures, what piqued my interest was, so Michael Polsky is a serial entrepreneur here in Chicago, um big energy executive. Um, and what piqued my interest was that he wanted to launch a fund that combined industry experts uh, and traditional you know finance organizations to make a you know finance first, a returns first fund that that had heavy reliance on using. Uh, in industry firms. So energy firms, industrial firms. And I thought that was really important um, because in clean tech 1.0 or industrial tech 1.0, the biggest mistakes were when you got too far away from the customers and you started believing that these industries operate like traditional technology. Um, And so at Energize, what we have is about half of our capital base comes from corporate partners. So firms like GE, Schneider Electric, Caterpillar, Um, to name a few. And then the other half comes from traditional endowments, financial institutions. Um, We like to say that we at Energize should not make an investment if we cannot gain a competitive advantage from our corporate network and or primarily and deliver commercial traction to our investments after we invest. If you put those two parameters on investment, it does narrow the field of how we can add value and identify companies. Um, And it, it keeps us pretty focused. Uh, and, and in many ways, it helps bring the companies that respect that value to you, and so you don't get into an arms race on valuation or or speed to close any given transaction. Um, at the fund, we have three investing partners right now, including myself. We have Juan Muldoon um, and Katie McLean. Um, everybody brings different backgrounds. So, for example, Katie comes from a policy background, which is incredibly important in these verticals. Um, and then Juan comes from a traditional finance background.
1: Great team. We're we're proud to have already co-invested with you guys at Fast Radius. And you know I'll spare. We could spend the whole chat again talking about <laughs> that 50-50 structure for these specialist funds is how, again, we want to define it. I do think that's the future model. And uh, so I'm really excited um, about what Energize is up to. So, so now I'll split back to where we left off on your background. It is, I don't think it's questionable, a very unique vantage point that you were with Kleiner Perkins during CleanTech 1.0 cycle, and now are actively deploying into this current movement in the ecosystem. Some might even argue, I I would say it was the biggest venture storyline of 2020. Um, Debatable, but Mm -hmm. I'd probably say it was. Um, So then the question, one, what has changed between then and now, and two, what are the signals you're seeing that this is here to stay this time?
0: Well, Ty, if we knew the answer to that second <laughs> one.
1: Crystal um, ball, that's that why we a have a podcast, happier. right? Yeah, yeah,
0: if you know the answer, reach out to Ty and me, and we'll, we'll gladly <laughs> take your call. Um, so just going into the first part, what has changed versus what is new? Um, you know, th- there's, in the energy world at least, there's this diagram called the levelized cost of energy, which is how much does it cost to, to fully deliver um, a different form, solar, wind, um, nuclear, you know, natural gas, etc.—and And the fact is that the hardware layer of these industries, energy and industrial world, uh, um, for new technologies, the cost has dropped about 90% plus over the past decade. And, and if we learned anything from the first wave of clean tech investing, it was that um, investing in the hardware layer is incredibly, incredibly difficult to return venture returns. Now, a lot tried and a lot of the reason we have these cost curves are because venture dollars went and invested in the material science and the hardware layer. Um, And there have been a few notable successes, Enphase, OSIsoft, Opower. Um, But the fact is that as an asset class, it underperformed. And so, what what we believe has changed now is that the infrastructure layer is so cheap that for the first time, these traditionally analog industries can now digitize the applications that sit upon the infrastructure. So you know, you so that's that's kind of the then versus now narrative. And so. Mm-hmm. Where we as a fund um, are always looking for the why now narrative. What has changed, either in the cost curve and in industry dynamics, in the co-investors available to enable uh, a business to grow now.
1: If you were, if you were to think about, and, and to your point, it's not really a fair question. Any signals that you would say? you've seen different beyond the the cost curve, which maybe a quick plug, sorry, uh, uh, a tangent. If you're not following John's blog that he puts out on a pretty regular basis at this point, I, I have to put a plug in, you can find it on his LinkedIn post and you know, John, I don't care if you don't want me to plug it or not, it's fantastic. And you're putting even detailed charts about those cost curves coming yes. down for each of these renewable categories. So phenomenal resource. Um, but is there, are there any other, call it softer signals that you're seeing? Yeah.
0: So I'd say this: the the number of executives that are focusing on the space um, is not only increasing, but the quality of the entrepreneurs and their teams is also increasing. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's really hard to track. But you know, call it five years ago, there weren't that many folks. GE or even, you know, Schneider, a few of our LPs who were spinning out and joining startups, to be frank. And so you had great technical talent, but you didn't have great industry awareness. And, and so a decade ago or even five years ago, I would see so many great technical teams, you know, run hundred miles an hour into a wall because they didn't fully grasp the nuance of the industry. And so now at our at, at our team when we do a deal analysis, we we try to figure out: do they have both sides of the equation? Do they have uh, respect for industry? And it's just like a, it's like a yes or a no question. If it's like on, is it a gray area? The answer is no, um, and that that usually means you know have they pulled and pulled talent from one of these traditional firms? And I think it's funny because on the West Coast, there tends to be a negative signal to an executive that maybe comes from one of these industrial companies. And it's just like, well, if you want to succeed, you need that. You need that history. Um, These are industries that make decisions based on a purchase order from a decade ago. So if you don't know the legacy impact, you're you're kind of at a disadvantage. And so just tracking the executives that are starting to flow into these startups is probably one of the better soft signals that we can do.
1: It's a great soft signal, and um, you know I like to say that the customer base within industrials it's not as homogenous and it's not as uniform in terms of you know, even honestly, software sophisticated buying patterns as say what the virality curve of consumer internet or, you know, pure enterprise SaaS could be. So having that dual DNA on the team and as you define it, respect for the industry, uh, also mission critical in our book. It takes both, you know, to dance, but um, couldn't agree more on that one for sure. Energized Ventures, next question, um, really outlines a focus on a b and series c investments and i I, you know it's my job and i'm still trying to figure out what all these letters mean now exactly right and it looks like a pretty active focus has been on the larger checks into series b and beyond so most of the venture community would define series b and beyond as you know i'll use air quotes growth stage Mm -hmm. can you help our listeners understand what is or isn't growth stage within these industrial sectors or simply how you define it? And and let's start there and then have a couple of follow-ups to really dig into some more detail after that.
0: Okay. Yeah, it, it is an alphabet soup and uh, the terms in our focus area are probably quite different than uh, other versions of VC. I'm just gonna give you the exact stats of our portfolio, which is the average revenue and investment for Energize is 4 million dollars across our entire fund one portfolio growing hundreds 100 plus percent still and if you use that really objective parameter it means that there's been some institutional commercial adoption you don't get to 4 million dollars by happenstance um somewhere in the organization there's been a an intent to take a technical solution and and you know staple some form of dollar to it and try to earn revenue um, and so we usually come in after the first few enterprise sales have been locked in. And you know, like I said earlier, we we then try to make use our network to make a bunch of commercial introductions to really help turbocharge and play Kingmaker with with the firm we invest in. Um, in, in many cases, we love when there's cross industry exposure. So we're energized. we get a lot of our competitive advantage from the energy vertical. But you know uh, relying on energy companies for revenue is pretty dangerous. And so uh, on average, fund one about 25 percent of our portfolio's revenue comes from energy Uh, other ones are industrial customers agriculture construction you know these analog firms that you focus on ty like those we still love those customers they all think the same generally Um, but if you can diversify the revenue base it's it's important
1: you even wrote another post about horizontal versus vertical so again i'll plug it um do you have like a nomenclature that you use for that and i appreciate the transparency about the first check in around four million in revenue do you have a nomenclature you use for that particular stage of, you know, again, it kind of breaks what most people would call growth stage and, and again, some other categories. Is there, is there any nomenclature? I'm just curious.
0: Yeah. I mean, we, it's funny. We call it pre-growth. <laughs> it is like not venture, but it's not growth. It's just like, just pre-growth. Cause if our companies do well, um, within, you know, 12 to 24 months, they're somewhere around 15 to 20 million of revenue and growing hopefully still a hundred percent. And that is definitively growth. Um, so yeah, we call it. Pre-growth is our internal narrative.
1: I think this is pure gold for our listeners. You, John, have just defined the new pre-seed round or whatever the, the round <laughs> is. But but there is a reality to scaling and beginning with the end in mind for these types of venture-backed companies to be right. thoughtful about. And half of your LPs are some of the largest industrials out there. So there's something to be said about that data set. Uh, has a lot of credibility behind it. So I'll, again, I could go down a whole nother path there. But now underneath that round specifically, what are some of the key things that your team's pulling out? Um, you know, you could call them somewhat more mature investment stage than like yeah. a really early mm-hmm. stage. And you, you've said a couple of quotes. Um, one, play the hand you're dealt, not the hand you want. And two, the customer has the answer. So, what what are those things you're looking for at that stage to cut a check?
0: Yeah, yeah, I love those quotes. I say them too frequently, and I'm sure my team gets annoyed. But um, so I'll answer in two parts. We have an internal framework. We'll probably publish it soon and how we evaluate each investment. It's its product, market, team, economics, so unit economics and then ultimately the deal. So the five parameters PMTED. ED. Um, and, and generally um, we are looking first and foremost um, at at the team and the market. I know there's this, this you know back and forth narrative in the valley, but but generally um, we the way we do our diligence process or our research process is we call up all of our LPS and we say, "Hey, listen, what, you know, what problem are you trying to solve next year?" And and usually they don't give you an answer because they don't want to admit that they have a problem. <laughs> and, and so then you say, "All right, hey, listen, where's your budget growing next year?" And, and that's the aha moment, which is, "Oh, your budget's growing in cybersecurity." Okay, you know, that's all we need to know for now. Thanks a lot. What are you trying to solve in cybersecurity? And then we go do deep dives that take, you know, between three and nine months and and find the top companies that fit the profile. Um, and the reason I bring that up is if, if you go out, you just find a great technology and then you're looking for a problem in our space, you're just going to burn a lot of cash, you have really long sales cycles. You're going to do a lot of like exploration. Um, but if you know the problem you're trying to solve and then go look for the technology, you will do much better. And so for us, we kind of act in many ways on behalf of the customer mindset in our industry, we know the problems, we look for the technology. Um, and that's how, you know, in fund one, 11 of our 14 companies have a six or seven figure revenue contract that we originated for them in diligence. When we did our investment in Nozomi, um, networks, we knew that cybersecurity was a focus. Um, and so we called up the utilities and said, Hey, listen, like we think we are starting to grasp what you're looking for. And it's this next generation, you know, OT visibility network. And they said, absolutely. And I said, okay, we have this company, Nizomi. would you buy from them? And they said, oh, heck no, we, we only buy from IBM. <laughs> I said, all right, let me, let me call up a few folks from IBM and, and get the answer, call up IBM. And they say, oh yeah, we're about to offer that. And I said, oh, you, you built internally. <laughs> they said, no, we're going to, we're going to use this firm Nizomi. <laughs> Nozomi. And, and, and that's why I say the customer has the answer. Like, um, it, it, that took six months of research to get that access and that proprietary insight. And so, Juan and I were sitting there kind of laughing to ourselves. And, you know, we, we then funded Nozomi back in 2017. But that's where like in this industry, if you do the work, the customer
1: has the answer. It speaks to you only can find that answer. And even it took you guys six to nine months if you're. Mm-hmm. Deeply buried in the sector and have that access. So it, it again stands to the differentiation you guys bring to the table for founders, which is awesome. And I believe I remember PMTED. That's that's a great framework. I, I may advise shuffle those letters around so you can come up with some cute CRISPR name or something I like tried. that. But <laughs> yeah, but it's a it's a great structure. And and so then, okay, you find one that's interesting, you've done the homework. Um you actually mentioned that. Uh, the last letter is the D, the deal, because the deal has to make sense. And right. I think, again, this always comes back to, you know, beginning with the end of mind a little bit here. But given the venture climate that is current in these sectors, how do you think about evaluating round sizes and, and pricing at this uh, pre growth stage, as you defined it, when some of these companies are even spacking with little, sometimes no revenue at all?
0: Yeah. Yeah. The average, as, as you and I, have our tracker, You know, the average exit in this space is, historically was 200 to $300 million for a very successful exit. Um, we do believe that the opportunity in the TAM have expanded such that maybe a decade from now, we look back and the average successful exit is 400 or 500. Um, but we, we underwrite every investment to have at least a, a four to five X minimum return are pretty conservative in our projections. Um, and you know to, to do that, <laughs> You know, you're still in and around that 50 to 100 million dollar valuation even for the stage that we focus um, our average i think our average valuation fund one was like 70 million dollars the um we'll be strict on that and i think there there's absolutely a high cycle right now in in the early the earliest stages um and maybe even in the 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 late the late late market stages as well so if we're less active in the next 12 months you know so be it but the fact is you have to use the data and just trust your gut um, we, we do look at, believe it or not, valuation multiples as a, you know, next 12 months or, or revenue, um, and we, we're aiming to stay near, at or near historical averages um, in those metrics.
1: You got it. And I, I mean, that tees up perfectly into the next question, which we have exchanged many, many notes about around exits. And mm-hmm. and you have to be data-driven, as you just outlined, you have to understand the reality of where the curve is headed um, and where it is currently. So, Okay. With that said, you even launched um, an exit tracker. Again, it's you know you can find it on John's LinkedIn that's open to the public, and I encourage everyone to go check it out. It's great. Every time you see this big announcement of so- and so company by so and so, um, I'm pretty sure it's hitting the tracker. So from your outlook, why was it so important to bring that transparency about this topic of exits and industrials into public discussion and launch the tracker? And then, for any doubters out there, what would be your response to those who propose it's just, Tough to make consistent outsized venture returns in the category.
0: Yeah. So the reason I brought it forward with you, thankfully, so I don't come off as the only curmudgeon here, is you know a lot of the great entrepreneurs are heavily focused on the data, um, and they have you know friends who are at other firms, folks in other verticals, where there may be a higher average Series A or Series B. But I do believe you have to work back. From the likely outcome um and nobody's going to be happy if you do a 300 million dollars series a um nobody on your cap table, including the founders and um you know when, I, when we go structure that hey here's a series b term sheet at this at this price and there's like a, a negative reaction i can just look now point to the data and say listen if you if you really want to have this product serve these markets we need to be realistic about what the long-term potential is now, I hope you shatter the upside, but at least protect for the downside and not setting up a funky structure on your cap table. And it's helped. I'll be honest. It's already helped um, a few times. Um, and and hopefully, you know, these averages start to rise, but I still think it's going to be muted relative to other verticals.
1: I don't think either of us, I, or I'm a side. it's not curmudgeon at all. It's just looking at the data. And I think both of us would agree. I'd, I'd love nothing more than to see them continue to pop, right? Desktop metal is a perfect right. example amongst others. Um, we could go down the list. So, um, But I do think there is something to be said about that pre-growth stage. And and so anyway, again, I encourage everyone to look at the tracker. Please do if you have a great um, exit so we don't miss it, or so John doesn't miss it, like send it across to him so that mm-hmm. um, this living document is awesome. And And I think it'll be very powerful to the ecosystem going forward. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, let me
0: add one quick thing there to, to your second question, Ty, which is, okay, then maybe the natural question is, well, should you focus on these customers and this vertical at all? Um, and, and to that, I would say, as the tracker shows, if you are capital efficient while addressing this vertical, you can have excellent, excellent financial return. Excellent. Um, and so just, it is that mindset. Um, if, you know, So stay grounded when you approach absolutely. it. And you can Absolutely. Still
1: have it. Yeah, just know know the path before mm-hmm. you get a little head out of your skis. Then maybe bring this back to the founders specifically, um, who are either raising venture or are thinking about launching into venture. W- what gets you excited about these new companies entering the market? I know we've hit on a couple of themes above, but really just in a, a salient framework of keys to success they should really make sure they do as they get going and then Mm -hmm. um, make sure these common challenges that you you see over and over again uh don't you know don't hit that same speed bump everyone else did
0: yeah and again we're at that pre-growth stage but um i love to hear actually we love to hear if the entrepreneur is tracking the sales cycle and it's like a really simple, simple data point, but like, do they know how long it took from first engagement to closing of that, of a commercial deal? Um, and are they finding ways to shorten it, either through getting creative on pricing, on using, you know, logos to help generate trust or or whatever, you know, because, you know, as Bilal, who you've had on your, your podcast says, like, you know, death by a thousand POCs, like, just, you have to be aware of the, where the ghosts, and uh, are buried in this industry and usually it's around sales cycle just because of how long these firms take to make a decision um and so just generally if we find a firm that had you know 18 month sales cycle last year and this year's cohort looks like it's trending to 12 months and next year is six months or something along that nature it's that gets us really peaked um and that's the most like that's like the the um the groundwork for a great
1: discussion any anything that's like. Obviously, a lot of people hit the same uh, speed bump or challenge that mm-hmm. um, keep an eye out for around the corner as you launch into it.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, Steve Mullaney, who's actually a board member for us at a firm called Zadita, um, he's now CEO of Aviatrix, he will always say, you know, do less, do less, do less, do less. Um, and, and generally, uh, as an as a operator myself back in the day, like I know how easy it is to do more. like you just always be like, oh, let's just tackle that too but he's he's right best companies just do less. they do they focus on less items they get something great and they expand from there and and so generally like yeah, like when you get another 20 you know, our average round size is about twenty million dollars, there's a really goal to go do a lot more. but our most successful companies have just stayed super laser focused on the one or two problems um, and so like for us right after that round, it's uh, you know, Put the bumpers up and still keep focusing and don't get too distracted.
1: Focus, focus, focus. I'll give a plug. Bessemer just put out a a post in December about um, their decades of uh, or their decade experience in vertical SaaS. And they talk about the layer cake of revenue. So focus and the opportunity builds on top of that. So very much aligned with that. Okay, John. Well, um, always love to wrap up with what we call quick hitters. So if you're ready to go, I'm going to throw some questions at you and and, uh, give me your off the cuff.
0: All right. I'll do my best. All
1: right. What is the number one thing when you're evaluating an early stage founder, specifically the person that you look for in this uh, digital industrial ecosystem?
0: Can they clearly define the lessons they've learned so far and are they, yeah, that's like it. Like, Are they aware of the problems they've run into and how they've solved them?
1: Okay. What is one resource, book, podcast, blog, whatever you choose, you'd recommend our audience to follow in the ecosystem beyond your own blog?
0: I say beyond you too. Um, I I would say that um, this is like super nerdy, but there are still great sites. You know, the Green Tech Media crew um, that I've been around since you know Clean Tech 1.0, and a lot of their their authors um, have great history. And so, just nothing nothing too dramatic here, but just th- those
1: sites. Gotcha. What one person who should be on the podcast and share some lessons?
0: Uh, so so um, haven't talked too much about him today, but you should get Dave Mount at G two. You know, he was formerly at Kleiner. He's you know one of my main mentors in my career, and um, he has for every lesson I have, he has fifty. Um, and you, the whole network will learn a lot from him.
1: Yeah, I just couldn't speak more highly for the G2 crowd uh, or G2 VP crew. They're 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 a big part of this. Hopefully, we'll be able to get them on. Uh, and then finally, John, best way uh, for reaching out to you? Yeah, um, like you mentioned, I'm on I'm on
0: LinkedIn. I think it's you know John J Tough. That's also my Twitter handle. My um, email, just to frame it, John at energized.vc uh, um I try to stay on top of that by the end of every week. So give me a few days, but I'm usually responsive. Um, <laughs> But yeah, and then uh, preferably, if you have any of those data points, like like Ty mentioned, you know, uh, reach out and we'll add them to our our exit trackers.
1: Awesome. Well, I, I could not think of a better way to kick off uh, heavy hitters twenty twenty one. We're probably gonna have to have you on again in the not too distant future because we we have so many different paths we could take this conversation. But John, just a big thanks for kicking us off here and and jumping on for uh, for a session.
0: You got it, Ty. Thanks. And looking forward to doing more on the investment side with you in the future as well.